0: You're listening to Life in Our Skin, a podcast created for women in the middle. Here, we discuss unique perspectives of our American experience, living between the white and black communities. I'm Lisa
1: Harris. And I'm Anahita Champion. Join us as we share life in our skin, raw and unedited. Welcome back, dear friends and my sweet Lisa. How are you, my friend? Good morning,
0: Anahita. I'm excited
1: to be here today and chat with our audience. We hope. That y'all enjoyed the last two episodes of learning more about Lisa and myself as we interviewed each other. And the reason why we did that was so that you could understand where we're coming from and a little bit more about our backgrounds as we conquer these awesome topics of life and food and culture and the women in the middle and underrepresentation and all the lived experiences. But Lisa, we're continuing it. What are we talking about today?
0: Yes, we're excited. Well, like Anaheeda mentioned, and we've mentioned in the past, we kind of like to flip it up. Some, some of our episodes are going to be a little bit more serious, a little bit more um, exploratory. And then we're going to have some episodes that are going to be fun in nature and um, a lot of laughter. And, and so today is going to be a little bit more exploratory and a little bit more serious. But I know. With Anahita as my co-host, there'll be some laughter involved as well. So (laughs) we are talking about education and expectations and kind of where we landed in our adult life or maybe the journey um, based on those two things. So really want to start off this conversation kind of understanding the level of education, kind of the, the background that our families were at prior to coming to this country. So kind of just to level set for everyone so you know, what did that look like before we stepped in the ground here in the United States. So I'm gonna throw it over to you, Anahita, if you wanna jumpstart this conversation and help us get to understand your family from that perspective.
1: Yes, I think it says a lot about the decisions we make, the thinking that we, you know, integrate into our daily lives now, based on obviously our upbringing, whether we know a lot of the parental history or not. Some some people just don't have that um, particular knowledge. But for me, when we immigrated here in '86, I was just two, so I don't know all the details and ins and outs. But from what I am aware of and the stories I've been told. Uh, my, my family had a substantial era of life before I was born. And uh, when my mom and dad were young parents in the early 70s, 72, 73, 74, uh, they moved to South Dakota so my dad could finish his PhD. And, you know, it's funny. I feel like a terrible daughter. I don't know exactly what his degree is in. I think it was like science. Of some you want me sort, to Google cause... it? <laughs> Is Google it out there somewhere? <laughs> but he has a PhD in science, and then I know he worked a lot with animal nutrition and animal science. So when when he got his PhD in 74, nope, I'm sorry, 70, mid 70s, 75, 76, uh, my sister and brother were one and two. And then they moved back to Iran, so he worked there. And during that time, my mom had a little bit of um, post college experience or post high school experience. She worked as a kindergarten and a preschool teacher, but really she raised a family and that was a big task. While my dad was building his educational career and, and then future career. So he was really looked up to the different stories that he shared recently in more depth than I've ever heard. He you know, was hired to move to different parts of Iran with the family to kind of level set, create these processes, integrate. And it's all about agriculture and science. So that was his niche. And then he moved to the city that I was born, a city on the Northeast part of Iran called Mashhad, which is more like a holy city that people are familiar uh, with that. And side topic that has nothing to do with the story, but there's a big university that he was hired to work at And there's a lot of really fun stories that have come from that. But I guess he was just very honored, right? Coming out of his experience there, the university was sad to hear he was leaving the country to come to the U.S., excited for his family. But they have since created a nonfiction film about him and have named the uh, entry road after my dad oh that's cool so there's a street somewhere in Iran named after my maiden name and this film I have to get my hands on but he has since then been a huge advocate for education Um, I'm not a doctor no interest in being a lawyer no interest in doing like psychology granted I've dabbled in all of them but he has been so supportive and encouraging of read your books play an instrument educate yourself you know he's not he'll he'll still buy me a doll here and there as a little girl but he was always like here's a new book right so he was very leading the way on education and he's he still is that today he's like when are you gonna go get your phd (laughs) dad i'm good at a masters (laughs)
0: wow that's pretty amazing
1: what what about your family, like your parents?
0: Very very different. Um, my mother grew up in the Philippines, um, and I probably shared. I can't even remember if I shared it here or my my programs with my my women. But she is one of four, one of four sisters and adopted brother, and they grew up in basically the ghettos of Cebu City. So, um, you know, my grandfather went to the shipyards and he would, um, you know, bring in shrimp um, whenever there was work. So he would go out to the shipyards and, you know, boats would come in and there'd be work and he would work the boats as, um, as a, you know, I say fisherman, but it's really, you know, like, you know, gathering shrimp and, um, you know, they had a very hard upbringing and, um, but my mother was a very good student and education was really important. So for those of you who don't know in the Philippines, they learn English starting the moment they go to school. So there you know, there definitely is a lot of um, emphasis on education. Um, most of the kids that go to school have uniforms. Um, it's, there's just a lot of focus on, on making sure that you have education and you speak English. And so a lot of those kids, even if they can't speak, they understand, even if they aren't fluent, they really do understand and speak English at a, at a very early age. And my mom was a really good student. So she was, you know, one of the smartest of her sisters, and she aspired to to do more. Um, And I believe she does have a little bit, I think she started college classes when she met my father. Um, So she did start some higher education. But my family in the Philippines had no, you know, no education beyond, my grandfather only has a fifth, fifth grade education actually in the Philippines. Um, and so my mom's side of the family came from a very poor upbringing. And when my mom came to this country, she started working right away. Um, she did take some community courses, um, college community courses. Um, But then was raising a family and it was just was too hard. I mean, she did aspire to be an accountant. You know, she had aspirations, um, but that never really transpired. But she ended up working, you know, doing a lot of administrative, you know, payroll, you know, clerks type of work for the city that we that we grew up in. So she worked in the city hall. And over the years, you know, she continued to do that kind of accounting type of work even though she never got her accounting degree and then um, on my father's side you know I always say I'm the first generation college graduate but that's partially true and partially not true on my mom's side I definitely am on my dad's side my dad isn't college educated but his brother and my grandmother did go to college so um, and that's really interesting. And I don't know a lot about that story, which every time we talk, it just makes me more curious about my own <laughs> my own story. <laughs> but my grandmother was raised on the reservations in Northern Wisconsin on um, in Hayward, um, where La Couture, and she ended up going to college for nursing in Chicago. So she's very few Indian women that left the reservation, um, in pursuit of a college education. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know my native grandmother that well. Um, you know, we would visit with her once or twice a year and she, you know, spent her entire life working as a nurse, um, and, you know, was a, a working mom most of her life. And then, um, my my dad's brother also went to college. So, so it's just interesting when you think about the um, impact that most of the educational impact actually came from my mom's side of the family versus my dad was, you know, he was okay with, you know, as long as we tried our hardest and it wasn't um, a really big push. Education from him was not a big push, but it was a huge push for my mom, and I think that also was because she understood the doors that it can open. Such different,
1: such different backgrounds from your, from just both of your parents' sides, yeah. and even mine. Um, I don't remember if my mom completed college of any sort. I think maybe some courses or some coursework or some some technical or vocational, but she's she's basically had a career in retail. She was a flight attendant for 14 years and she's back in retail now. And I don't know if there was ever an interest to go back and, and do more. Um, my dad was one of, he's the oldest of eight, three boys. Uh, wow. Can't do math. Five, Oh my gosh. Five boys, three girls. (laughs) Whoa. This show is not about math, so it's okay. (laughs) Not why I am in a math background. I am in a very creative direction. Uh, Yeah. So five boys, three girls. He was the oldest and um, some of them have completed college, have most of them completed college. Probably, I think so. So they have gone on individually to have families and, and good careers and different little entrepreneur paths, little, some big, some some small, um, but how that carries over, I wanna hear about how that carried over to you um, and I'll share as well. But when it comes to you and your education, you were the, you've said, first-generation college graduate, where did you go? What's your background with education? Oh, yeah.
0: Well, the first thing I would have to say is growing up, it was really, most of it, like I said, was pushed on me from my mom. Like, it was like, get good grades, get good grades, go to college, go to college. And the biggest thing in our household, which we would always laugh about, was she would say to us, you have to wear the black gown before you wear the white gown, (laughs) So it was just put on us that she wanted us to earn our degree before we got married. And and my mom was always a working mom, you know, when I was growing up. You know, we were a working class family, but um, she was always working. So I always saw her working. She always um, made a point to encourage me to work and then, you know, making sure that I earned a degree. So I ended up going to the University of Wisconsin, Madison, where I graduated from the business school with a degree in marketing. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much my educational path. Um,
1: I and did I not think know all your... of that
0: was you know marketing kind background.
1: of what do you say I don't think I knew you had a marketing background I always thought I it did. was business yeah
0: yeah what? well I mean my, well I guess my degree I don't know my my degree is bachelor business administration or whatever the BBA is and um but yeah emphasis in marketing so it, yeah it was all marketing classes mm-hmm. I took the things we learn at life in our yeah State. I know it's crazy. And um, yeah, it's what what I find really interesting um, is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but kind of the the there's quite a big impact on the fact that my mom's family came from such poverty because there's a lot of like guilt mindset belief systems that are kind of wrapped up in what I expect from myself, because I feel like I'm carrying, I'm carrying a lot of these belief systems from my mom or generations before, or like I have to push through because of sacrifices made for me. Like there's this feeling that I have that I carry Um, and I think that's, you know, beyond the expectations of what education we got and what we did with it. Um, obviously in the Philippines, everybody's, everybody's daughter and everybody's son is a doctor or a nurse, you know, I mean, but she was really proud that I went into business. Like she was really proud of that. Um, but I think if it was up to me, I don't know if I would have, I'm so glad I did. Like, I'm so glad I did business and it totally worked for me. Um, I had an amazing career in business and I loved it. Um, But there is a creative side to me, which is why entrepreneurship feels so right. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously I'm a writer. So I wonder if I would have explored other, other degrees outside of business. But my main concern was that I needed to earn money. Like in my mind, it was like, I just need to get a degree that I'm going to be able to pay back my own, pay back my loans and make a living. Like it was always like, I needed to make a living. Like I remember all, that's all I thought about, not about making money. It was like, it's not about having a lot of money, getting a job that paid a lot. It was more like I needed to earn a living. I needed to like make a living, mm-hmm. like. Those are the words in my head when I think about words.
1: So they were in your head. It's not like your mom or dad had said, you need to get a degree and then make money to then manifest these things. It was more of a black gown before white gown. And a lot of that, just mom just knew what that meant as an adult. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think the only words that were really said was, aside from that, was, um, you know, my dad used to always joke, you know, once you're 18, you know, you got to figure it out. So my mom and dad had different, definitely came at things very differently. My dad was like at 18, you know, whether you go to college, whether you get a job at 18, you're responsible for yourself. So you better figure out how you're going to do it. And my mom was like, go to college, go to college, you know, and as long as we were going to college, you know, she had no problem like and my dad didn't either, but those were the words that they said, right?
1: Which isn't funny. Isn't it funny to, to hear, I mean, this is a totally different episode, but 18, college, move on with your life, do the big things while your brain is still developing until you're like 22 or 23. I know. How silly. I moved out at 19, you know, and my mom was driving me a little cuckoo, but I also needed to you know, I wanted to live on campus. I wanted to be around that college atmosphere. I, I attended the university of Minnesota. So you are a badger and I am a gopher.
0: There you go. There you <laughs> There's go. that
1: folks. Uh, I never did the dorms. I, I technically was off campus. It's maybe like 500 feet where the campus housing ends. And then a new, for anyone that knows dinky town is where I lived. And so I did Post high school, I did a year and a half at a community college and I did the transfer program. So almost all my credits transferred over. And then I got into the interior design program at the U of M, did that for a year, loved part of it, hated the rest of it. And then the GPA tanked because part of it was learning to you know adapt to that environment of just being such a, such a huge school and then really honing in on what do I wanna do my expectations growing up for my family wasn't, you need to prove to us, you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer. It was go to college and get your degree and then go find a job that makes you happy to live a life that makes you happy. Wow. That's really all it That's was. That's pretty
0: impressive. I don't hear that often.
1: That was never, it was, I don't, unless I had completely blacked out my childhood, <laughs> I don't remember Ever feeling pressured to do certain things?
0: Do you think your brother and sister feel the same way? Um, I just, it makes sense you. to me why you do why um, you've been navigating um, your entrepre- entrepreneurship the way you do. That totally makes sense to me.
1: It's just funny. It's wild. That's interesting that you say that because it was yeah. No, no other strong enforced narrative oh. was put into my mind. Interesting. Now. My sister dabbled mostly in dentistry. I don't know that she ever had another path. So she right away dentist. Now she's been in, she's been a dentist for twenty something years. Brother currently an optometrist, but his first degree of um, path the path that he was going down was marine biology. We had a bajillion fish in the house. We had he worked at pet stores. He worked at the video video update when we would go and look at videos. In the, in the store. So he had an, an, and he has played tennis his whole life. So he is a little bit more on the creative, but also still down that medical path versus me. It wasn't like expectations to do whatever. However, during that whole journey of, um, my dad's, my dad's background, you know, he got laid off when we root and when we got rooted in the twin cities and he drove trucks, he drove you know, dom- did domino deliveries, odd end jobs for his family, and then started a business. And it wasn't, it was a taxi business, had nothing to do with his degree for 12 to 15 years. Now in his 60s and 70s, he's doing what he loves to do. But all of the things that he modeled, I modeled after was entrepreneurship, right? So yeah. that's also been an interesting thing That is interesting. growing up to see. But yeah, the expectations were just go to college. And it was very encouraging. It wasn't, it wasn't, you have to do this and you have to get all A's. That was never enforced. Um, My parents got divorced when I was 16. There was not a lot of attention on me in my, in my teenage years, but I knew I wanted to do great things for myself, whether that was a niche, niche job, like art artistry in interior design, or if it was get a bachelor's or a master's or PhD. So as of today, I have a master's in communication studies from the School of Journalism, which is totally up my alley. And at 37, I was like, listen, I can't figure all this stuff out. There isn't one course or one degree that encompasses all of the things. So I'll take, I'm in an accelerator course with an organization called Women Venture. I will do mini workshops here and there. So that whole part of me is still wanting to learn. Yeah, Uh, But the expectations were not ever forced. Yeah, It was just do the best you can. And he'll nudge and be like, when are you getting your PhD? (laughs) I'm like, dad, I'll let let you be the king of that castle.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. Yeah. the, The two things that are coming up for me right now, as I'm listening to you, we've talked about this in the past, like Um, our, our birth order, right. And, and our years apart. So Mm -hmm. there's um, you're the youngest and I'm the oldest of my siblings. And so one of the things that I remember too, in growing up that maybe, and I'm not going to speak for my sisters at all. um, Maybe it gave them, maybe it added pressure or maybe it gave them more freedom um, I don't know, but being the first one to walk that path, I felt a lot of like, and I don't know if it's just an oldest child type of feeling on top of the expectations of my mom, but that I had this feeling like, you know they, that I was paving a path for them, and that I needed to show them that they could do it or or how to do it or. Even if I wasn't showing them anything, at least I was an example that it was possible. And so I feel like I carried that with me even to like my first job, like even to, you know, getting married and having children. So it's really interesting when I think about like being the oldest, like I didn't have anybody to watch, go through like the college journey,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, And like you, I just aspired. I mean, whether it was my mom telling me to go to college or not, I naturally always aspired for more. And I always surrounded myself with other women, with other friends that aspired for more. So I think, you know, I naturally was always set up to take that path that I did um, in myself. So I don't think it's just the, you know, education and expectations of my family, but there was also something in me, right? So it's that combination of, yeah, you know, the cultural impact, the, you know, just the individual impact. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's
1: really fascinating. And I see that, I see that in you too, because it's interesting. You talk about birth order, which that's a whole, it's a whole fascinating, different topic. <laughs> that's a whole fascinating, um, concept. I wrote a paper in undergrad once about birth order, what it's like to be the only child, the youngest age gaps, because in some sense I am the youngest of three technically, but by 10 years and when they were out of the house of getting married, I was the only child. So it was just weird. And so my relationship with my siblings is more parental. And so the only person I've really ever gotten not flack from, but just pushes me and challenges me and, and just all that, la, 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 all of that. I don't even have words. Is my brother. Yeah. Um, recently How old I, is he? I, he is 47. So 10 years oh. older than I am. Okay. Yeah. And my sister's 48, 11 years older. And he will say it over the course of getting a job at Target, working for this big corporation. That was applauded. That was received very, very well. Prior to that, I worked for his startup when he was getting his optometry office off the ground because that was the year that I was on academic probation. I had tanked my GPA from this 3.3 when I entered, 3.8 when I entered the U because it transferred from the college, the Inver Hills Community College. And the program I was in just was so hard and overwhelming. And I was just like, oh shit, it took a year to get on academic probation. So then he brought me under his wing to work for his office for two years. So when I got this big girl job, everybody was like, you've made it. You're on your own. Great. You're stable. On you go. And then four years later, I send a mass email to my family. I'm like, I hate my life there. I'm miserable. X, Y, Z. There's one positive. The rest, I'm not built for this. I'm out. And my mom was like, I'll support you with whatever. My sister's, you know, mushy, gushy. My dad comes in with the whole story of like, you have to try to get through hard things. Look at all the stuff I've done, but I love you no matter what. And my brother was like, just get a job that pays you well. I'm like, why you gotta come at me like that? And still to this day with all the different endeavors, um, I sent him a message recently about an opportunity I turned down and he goes, well, wherever the money is, I'm like, why you got to still, it's very consistent over the years. So as far as like how family has received, I know we were going to talk about that. I've been supported. No one turns their back on me. No one really gives me a hard time, but my brother will say things like wherever the money is. And I'm like, no, wherever you're happy, right? That's just, that, but that's my priority. It could be a generational thing. He has a different experiences seeing, you know, my family in their era prior to when Anahida was born, living in Iran for first, you know, 12 years of his life and then being raised here. So that's been really interesting, Uh, but they're very supportive. I'm very grateful. That's not the case for a lot of um, immigrant families or people that don't really have much of a clear history on their family background. Um, So... That's all you are a very savvy businesswoman with an extensive background and now you're an entrepreneur. What does your family have to say about all the Lisa things? Yeah, I don't, I don't know
0: what they have to say. I mean, I think, I think now, you know, as all three of us um, girls have grown up and, and completed college and you know gone, gone on to have families and some of us have worked um, in corporate settings, some of us have worked in smaller settings and some of us are just amazing mamas at home and um, doing all sorts of different things right. I think um, you know so many, so many years have gone by now I think you know for them it's just making sure that that we're happy right. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been really, I personally have been really proud of what I've, I've accomplished. And there's you know, a few things that I often say to people that nobody can ever take away from me. And that's my degree. Nobody can ever take that away from me. Um, and nobody can ever take away my book. Um, uh, and so those are the two big things that I feel like are some of my greatest accomplishments along the way. I've had a remarkable career, uh, working for, working for and with Fortune 500 companies and national brands and traveled all over the country, all over the world. I have, you know, managed millions of dollars in my corporate life. And one day I was just ready for something else. And there's a lot of whys behind that, which that's not what this podcast is about. But I I decided to explore more of the creative side of me. And that's when I published a book and, and realized that I really wanted to be a support system for women. And I wanted to do that through writing. And so all of my narrative coaching work and my narrative certification, um, all of that has just kind of unfolded. I think how the universe and and God had intended for me. So I I'm very, very happy about the accomplishments that I have um, had up until now. Oh,
1: I'm proud of you. I know your mom is too, because you'll see her <laughs> comment on Facebook. I don't oh know if listening to this podcast. I don't know if my, list, my, my mom most certainly hasn't. I won't exactly push it. She can stumble upon it, but she'll comment. Both of my moms are very mom, complimentary, supportive. Yeah. And <laughs> we wouldn't have it any other way yeah well my darling it is that time where we bid yeah. farewell to our friends thank you yeah. so much for listening to episode eight uh, lisa and i have some fun episodes coming up soon
0: yes thank you everyone for listening
1: and we will talk to you soon
0: bye, bye. <laughs>